We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast, the go-to place for personal and spiritual development because around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high-performance coach and breathwork facilitator, and each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as we pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to unlock your inner champion. If you know in your bones that you are meant for more in your life, you just can't seem to get out of the self-sabotaging patterns, then I need you to listen up. I have created a free 90-minute training to help you get the secret to creating and unlocking sustainable success. Yes, sustainable, because this is not burn yourself out working so hard to create success that you can't enjoy because then you're too tired and you quit. This is about creating long-term sustainable success year over year for yourself because one, you deserve it. Two, the world needs your impact and your influence, and it's time to stop struggling with the stop-start mentality and starting projects only to struggle with the follow-through. That's what I help you to do in my free training. The Secret to Sustainable Success Masterclass is available totally for free. Just go to the link in the show notes to grab it today. Relationship expert and dating coach. My good friend Lauren Thaler is here, and I'm so excited to have you and have this conversation. Thank you for being part of the Coachable Podcast. Thanks for spending time with me. I'm so excited, and anything you ask me to do, of course, I'm going to be a yes for. <laughs> well, thank you, and um, I'm excited to to share kind of some of the conversations that that we've had before, but ultimately, uh, kind of peel back the veil for people to understand some understand themselves a little bit better in the dating process or for anybody that's married in a relationship as people have heard on this show before today um you know relationships in my opinion are uh, one of the most fulfilling uh, experiences of my life and also the most challenging at the same time mm-hmm. and they're super complex in the same way that we are 
And so to have somebody who's an expert as well as as a coach and a guide for people that are looking to um, navigate their relationship or their singleness in a healthy way, um, I'm really excited to, to give you the opportunity to share some of your wisdom with, with everybody listening because I know anytime that we talk about love or relationships on the show, everybody tends to, their ears perk up and they're like, okay, <laughs> I'm here for this. <laughs> it's so true. It's so, so true. Yeah. So share with um, me, give me a little backstory on um, your dating life and your relationship experience thus far. What caused you to end up in the field of work that you do now, which is helping women uh, find and create aligned love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I could bore you and take you all the way back to, and we would be here for a while and probably fill the full hour to talk about really where it all originated. But I didn't just, and I, I tell people this all the time, I didn't just like wake up one day and decide I was going to be a love and relationship mm -hmm. coach, which I think a lot of people really struggle with in the coaching world figuring out what that identity is and how they're going to serve. Mm -hmm. Mine really was a complete breakdown process that led me into this space. And I agree so much with what you just said about relationships really being, and I say this all the time, relationships truly are the greatest gift that we've ever been given because they are a way for us to look at the way that we view ourselves. And that is directly related to my story. So I'm going to take you back to when I first actually launched my coaching practice because the breakdown and breakthrough to getting me into this space of helping women heal through dating and relationships really started with the unfolding and the breakdown of my coaching practice. So I, I launched this bad boy, this coaching practice eight and a half years ago. So I've been at it for a long time. And prior to that, I was, I owned a yoga studio. I also was in the corporate world, very similar to your story, right? And I had these mini breakdowns where it was like, mm, this doesn't feel in alignment. Mm, this doesn't feel in alignment, like reshift, figure out what's next. But specifically when I got into coaching, when I started my practice, I was helping CEO, CEOs and executives balance work with life because it felt like that was very in alignment with who I was and what I came from. And that sort of morphed about two years into helping CEOs in that fashion. My executives started coming to me saying, this coaching thing you're doing is really interesting. And I'm feeling called to consult and to coach on the side. Can you teach me how you built your practice? So my coaching practice morphed into helping these executives launch a coaching business online. And to be honest, it was wildly successful on the outside. Like I was being featured in NBC News and Business Insider. I was labeled in 2018 as one of the up and coming coaches, right? For 2018, yeah. it looked like I had everything going for me. But what people really didn't see on the inside was that my life in a lot of ways was a complete disaster, right? Like my business looked perfect, but people didn't see that all the money that was coming in was going right back out. Like there was no solid foundation. I deeply desired partnership in my life 
And at the time, I was dating, quote unquote, successful men, but they were all train wrecks. They were all closet addicts, right? I think I dated, gosh, four guys in a row who all had like a closet drinking problem. And at that time too, my health was declining. Everything that I knew for myself that I really desired wasn't happening internally, but externally, right? I was putting on this great show. Everybody thought I had it all together. I've been there. Which I know that you, (laughs) right? I know. We've talked about that a lot. And so I had what I call my true rock bottom moment at the beginning of 2019. I had been, and I remember it like it was yesterday, I've been dating a guy for two years. And I got a call. It was a Saturday morning. I got a call from his mother. And he was a very, quote unquote, successful man in Nashville, right? But I got a call from his mother that he was going to rehab for the sixth time in one year. I, two hours later, got a call from my accountant that my business was going to be audited and that all of the money that I had made up to that point in 2019 was going to be completely stripped from me, right? I was going to be $30,000 in debt. And I also got a call that day from my doctor. I'm not kidding. This happened within a 24-hour period. I got a call from my doctor that I had a cancer scare and that I was going to need to come in for a biopsy, right? So in a matter of 24 hours, I had lost the quote-unquote perfect relationship that everybody saw from the outside, the perfect career that everybody thought was present on the outside, and my health, right? Like in a matter of 24 hours. So that was my breakdown. And so I did what most people do at that time. I tapped into a survival response. I now know what it is, right? I didn't know at the time. I ran away. I ran away and I didn't have strong friends to be able to call and actually be myself with. I had nobody to process in that moment with, right? I had one friend. She lived in Chicago. She, at that time, knew me deeper than anybody else had. And I just told her, I'm coming. I don't know when I'm leaving, but I can't be here, right? So I ran to her and she opened her arms to me and sat me down the day after I got there. And we just had a deep conversation and she started to ask me questions. You know, what is it that you really want for yourself? It's some of these very same questions that we ask our clients to get to. And I recognized Tori in this moment that I was saying all of these things that I wanted externally. I wanted the dream relationship. I wanted to make seven figures in my business. I wanted perfect health. But internally, I could hear this voice. It was it was like I was having this out-of-body experience. I, I had this voice that was saying, yeah, but you can't have that, right? Like you're not actually set up for that. You're not really worthy of receiving that because of X, Y, Z. So externally, I was having this whole conversation and internally, it wasn't matching, right? And I had the awareness to be able to recognize that. So in that moment, was my awakening moment. And I decided, wait a second, there is some sort of incongruency here. There's something I need to dive deeper into. So that is when I committed myself to being a student of love. And I started to really, I hired mentors 
to help me with the healing process. I started to dive into every self-help book known to man. I really started to commit to myself, right? And I started to reclaim my voice. I got to the root of my subconscious programmings and my limiting beliefs. And I started on this healing process of being able to recognize what was keeping me from everything that I desired. And the result of doing that work was I realigned my business. I lost the cancer scare. Like I completely reversed my health and I found my aligned partner, right? Which is something I deeply desired in my life. And so that process is what led me into the space of helping women find that for themselves. But it started with the complete breakdown. And honestly, it started with relationships, yeah. started in that pinpoint for me. And so that's the light in which I serve people now. Mm. I mean, I relate so much to your story and I feel like this is the through point, the through line for so many coaches and uh, facilitators in the personal development space is we are byproducts of the work that we now facilitate. And mm-hmm. this this journey that we go on that oftentimes starts with a breakdown and if if we're willing to to go through it ends in a breakthrough and and being broken open ultimately um and brings a lot of of clarity and awareness and and healing if if we're willing to say yes to it what is it now that you work with with thousands of women helping them to find and attract aligned partnerships what are some of the common things that you see that are blocking people from experiencing the love that they desire most. Yeah. So I always say that your singleness in a lot of ways and or the discontent in your relationships is due to some sort of core wound that hasn't been fully examined, right? And healed Mm -hmm. and brought to light and understood. So what I might mean by this is that if we go back into my story, right, and I I was attracting mainly addicts, so men that were needing to go outside of themselves to feel whole, right? Because when an addict goes to alcohol, goes to sex, goes to some sort of other addictive behavior, what they're actually doing is going outside of themselves for external validation, to feel that sense of wholeness, right? Or numb it out for a moment. Mm -hmm. So I had to, my light bulb moment was to recognize, and this I think is hands down, like it's the number one thing that you should do on your healing journey is to take radical responsibility and understand that you are a reflection of that which you are attracting into your relationship life or your dating life, right? So I had to take a moment and say, okay, wait a second. If that's true, right, that means that something inside of me is no different than the addict. Huge light bulb moment, right? So I had to start to do the work and say, okay, what are the patterns that are showing up here? And I started to dissect going back all the way into my childhood. Like where was this 
I call it the breadcrumb trail. Where was the breadcrumb trail leading to? And I recognize, right, as a young child, I was taught by, we'll just use my mother for an example. I had a dynamic where I grew up in a Polish household. She learned and taught me that the only way that you can be happy, the only way that you can be full and whole is if everyone around you is happy first, right? And I I joke all the time, if you met my mom and you went to her house tomorrow and she had surgery the night before, right? You would walk in and she would still have, even though she's supposed to be bedridden, she'd have a full spread of food, right? Because if you're happy, she's happy, right? So that was one dynamic that I recognized like, holy cow, I was taught that in order to be happy and to feel whole, everyone around me has to be whole and feel happy first. So in essence, understanding that pattern, I was no different than the addict because I was, I felt like I could save him. And if I saved him and he was happy then I was happy and I was whole. So I was going outside of myself for external validation, just like he was right. So in saying that, regardless of what it is, Right? If there is some sort of dynamic in your dating life or in your relationship life that doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel like it's what you actually deeply desire, you have to start to turn the mirror back on yourself and say, wait a second, where is this stemming from? And if you can heal that, you can shift it. I experienced similar, uh, a similar breakdown. And it started with the ending of a relationship as well. And I had experienced enough uh, relationships that ended in a similar way or lasted a similar amount of time or there was maybe similar uh, qualities in in the people that I chose to date. And to the point that I I started to see, okay, there's something that all these experiences have in common. (laughs) One of them being me, <laughs> but the other yep. things are, you know, the types of people I chose or um, the way in which I unconsciously pushed people away or uh, challenged them to see how, how much could they prove their love to me? How, you know, if I make it difficult for you, are you going to stay? How much, you know, are you willing to commit to this and, and to the point where I, you know, would push these people out of my life? And, and um, so... I totally get that that recognition of the pattern. As I've continued to do my healing work, um, and I'm, I want to get your take on this, I have noticed that what you just said is often the first kind of piece we have to do, which is become aware and then take ownership and be responsible for what mm-hmm. have we created. And I, I kind of talk about it as everything in our life, all the results we have, we are we've ordered it's like life is this restaurant and everything is on our plate is something we asked for maybe unconsciously but we've ordered it and now it's sitting here facing us and we're like "Eh, can we have something else please (laughs) you know yes and um however what do you think there is a line between taking responsibility and holding your partner accountable or holding your partner um, 
holding space for your partner to show up for themselves and not making everything in your relationship or in your dating life your fault. Absolutely. 150%. What is that line and how do we walk that? So it's difficult, right? It's difficult because you have to understand that a relationship really is co-creation. And it's the ability to understand and accept that everybody is on their own healing journey and their healing journey is not always going to look like yours, right? So I think that when you're talking about being in a relationship and you have two people that are really committing, it's all, it comes down to the commitment, right? Truly. And if you're in a relationship and you both have had that conversation around, hey, we are committed to ourselves, we're committed to growth, and we're also committed to growing this relationship, there has to be this space of allowing the other person to come to and come into their healing journey on their own time. But at the end of the day, we can always remember and we can always tap back into that the only thing that we truly have control over is the way that we feel at any given time. So that means that you are committed to transparency at all times and being able to speak how you're feeling at all times. If you have a partner who's not willing to hear that and adjust and make those shifts to make you feel safe, even if they don't know how to shift that dynamic for themselves yet, there's this, there's a space of safety that occurs when you're like, wait a second, I know we've committed to this. I know that I need to relax into this and just allow the other person to step into their own healing process. But I also get to check in with, and I get to take care of what's happening in my nervous system right now. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Like what I'm feeling is wrong. Right. Does that answer that question? So there's, there's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. No, it totally is. And that's been my experience <laughs> as well, that it is, it is, it's a dance, that it's a dance of yeah. um, taking responsibility and ownership for how I'm showing up in the relationship, as well as not taking on something that's not mine. Right. And yeah. allowing them to have the, the permission and the, the sovereignty of their own experience and not making everything mm-hmm. about me. Because yeah. that is, um, you know, it's easy to to ble- bleed that line into, okay, I'm going to make their journey about me. I'm going to make their experiences about me and, and taking taking everything personally, which is one of those four agreements that Don Miguel Ruiz says in the four, four agreements is um, if we can agree to not take anything personally, um, we'll be a lot more free because we'll realize everything that our partner or the person that we're dating is doing is a reflection of something that's happening within them. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us, especially when we're in the dating world, it becomes um, really easy to make up a lot of stories about why people do or don't do what they do. Right. When it comes to, Oh, they haven't right. text me back or, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, I yeah. haven't seen him in, a week and a half, maybe he's not really interested. Um, and being able to detach yourself from everything that your partner's doing to the extent that it's not about 
you all the time that they can have their own mm-hmm. stuff going on and you don't have yeah. to make it about you or be responsible for it. Yeah. Well, and I, I preach that all the time, right. And in, in my practice and really I have to remind myself that the only, the only thing that you have full control over is your truth, how someone responds to that truth, whether they accept it or they reject it is not your responsibility, right? That's either a reflection of their own pain or their own healing. And I think when you can truly grasp that concept, you can see your partner through eyes of compassion, right? Because you recognize, wait a second, this is a reflection of them And it's a reflection of their own healing journey or their own pain. And I don't have to take that on, but I can hold space and be compassionate for either the lack of realization or the amount of healing that they're stepping into, which ultimately it's really, it's really freaking hard to do. It's like, that's what growth is, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I want to talk about some unspoken or spoken relationship rules that um, we tend to live by as a, as a society and uh, potentially rewrite those rules if it's aligned. What are your thoughts about talking about exes with your partner? Hmm. So depends on how we're, how we're going about this, this question. If someone is speaking, if they're bashing an ex, mm-hmm. Right. Like if there is negative conversation around the ex, to me, that is showing that is a huge in a lot of ways, red flag, because that's showing that they haven't taken responsibility for the relationship ending and healing that for themselves. However, I think it's extremely healthy to talk about exes yeah. in a relationship because it it shows that you have understood and you have been in the space of healing your patterns. And you took response because let's be honest, guys, and I'm sure Tori will talk about this too, but it takes two people for a relationship to not work. And until you can take responsibility of that, you will continue to be in the blame game and nothing will come out of blame or shame. Yeah. Right. That is an invitation for healing. Yeah, totally agree. I think how we speak about our past relationships uh, really does speak volumes about where we are with it. And one of the the most viral videos I've had um, on TikTok was actually about this topic um, saying that if, if you don't speak negatively about your ex or if you're friendly or if you do, you know, not saying you're speaking all the time and you're best friends or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's a reflection of the healing work that's been done, not a reflection of, yeah. okay, um, they're, you know, they're still hung up on their ex or they still want to be with that person or whatever. And that got so many people talking. There were so many different points of view on it. Um, and ultimately was a reflection of how, how we are all on the spectrum of healing and dealing with the things Mm -hmm. that we've experienced. Um, what about, uh, sex and how long someone should or shouldn't wait to, uh, to be intimate with their partner. What are your thoughts yeah. on that and guidance for so, anybody that is single or, or navigating that experience right now? 
Yeah. So talking about viral videos, <laughs> this is the one thing, and I think I shared this with you. This is the one thing that got a, there was a ton of controversy over this on my TikTok page. So I guide my women into waiting 60 to 90 days before having sex with someone in a dating situation. And that can be extremely controversial to some people because they want that instant connection. But if we're looking at it from a scientific view, that truly is the amount of time that hormones can settle and you can get to really know someone on an intimate level before you share the most sacred act of intimacy with someone, right? So, and in saying that too, like I always have I tell all of the women that come into my practice, I have them set what I call their non-negotiables, right? And the first three non-negotiables are, they don't, I actually give them to them. So they're mandatory. They can't create the first three. The first one is that he, he or she must pursue you at all times, right? Second one being they must make you feel safe, seen, and heard at all times. And the third one being they must be in full alignment with your commitment, ideals, right? So if you want marriage and children, they must want marriage and children. If you want an open relationship, they must want an open relationship. So in that 60 to 90 day time frame, you're going to find out if those first three non-negotiables truly are coming from a sincere place in someone, right? And if someone's pushing you, if you set that boundary and someone is pushing you and doesn't respect that boundary, guess what? That's going to show you really quickly that that person is not in alignment with one of your non-negotiables, yeah. Yeah. which is making you feel safe, seen, and heard, right? Yeah. Absolutely. That makes so sense. that's that's kind of where I am, mm -hmm. right? That's And that can sometimes be a little bit, you know, yeah. taboo. People think it's, it's, you know, not the best, the best rule to follow, but I truly believe when you have that deep, intimate connection with someone and you set that on the front end, yeah. you're going to know a lot about a person and what they're actually in the dating game for. Yeah. And I think, I think something to, to keep in mind, and this is just where my head goes, is not utilizing that as a weapon against somebody. Mm -hmm. Because I think women, we can use our sexuality as a weapon when we kind of use it to test somebody as as like um we're trying to see if if you are what you say you are or if you are really worth my time or whatever which I do agree we need to have ways that we figure out are you actually aligned with what I want and what I'm looking for and but when it's used in a manipulative way to to trick somebody yeah. into to like catching them and being like ah oh, I knew it to reinforce a pattern that you have that's like, uh, knew it. There aren't any good guys out there. Uh, knew it. I, you only care about my body. And that can, if, if we're not consciously aware of it, reinforce a story that we have deeply in our subconscious mind about love Hands or about down. relationships. Hands down. That's why it's so important that you recognize those patterns before you truly get out into the dating world. Right. I mean, uh, because you you will know the moment that that happens if you're using it as a weapon. Um, when the women come through my practice, I take them out of the dating world for two months. Like we're going to get to the root of 
where you're operating so that when you do reintegrate and you get back in the world, you'll know where your stories are and where they're coming from, which I think is so, so important. And something else too, that I'll kind of add to that is if we're looking at sex again, from a hormonal perspective, the moment that you sleep with somebody, oxytocin is released to the brain. And what isn't spoken about oftentimes with oxytocin is that oxytocin is meant for you to reproduce, right? It doesn't have an alignment meter. (laughs) So when it's released, all it's wanting you to do is continue to reproduce. That's why you can have false attachment when you do sleep with someone because your, your body is saying, I want to reproduce. I want to have children, Right. right? Or vice versa. So that can really just cloud judgment if it happens too soon. Yeah, totally. What um what are your thoughts on anyone that has the perspective of I'm going to play hard to get or act like I'm disinterested so that I can see if they're interested in me, see how how interested mm. they are in me or get them to pursue me by acting like I'm not that into them? Yeah, so again, that's, that's a reaction of a deeper wound, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> because what you're needing is you're needing someone else to fill the worth bubble for you, right? So when two whole people come together and decide to enter into a dating quote unquote relationship, there isn't this need for stories, right? Or the need to feel like you need to do something to invoke a reaction from someone else, right? So if somebody isn't pursuing you or if someone is being emotionally distant or emotionally unavailable, that's showing that really emotions and being open and vulnerable is not safe to that person, which is a deeper reflection of a wound that needs to be healed. What are some of the qualities of a healthy relationship or aligned love? How do you know if you're in one or if you're not? Open communication. So the ability to feel like you can express and express things that feel really vulnerable and hard, right? Like I think the key to intimacy, to deep, long lasting, because when we talk about aligned love, we're talking about that soul-centered partnership, right? That's truly in deep alignment. And I think the root of all of that is vulnerability, the ability to speak your voice and to be transparent so that you can create that sense of intimacy with someone. Mm -hmm. But again, it it goes back to the non-negotiables, right? Like someone that makes you feel safe, makes you feel seen. That doesn't mean when I say safe, seen, and heard, that doesn't mean that you both have it all figured out, right? But it does mean that you both can come to the table here comes the train, Tori. <laughs> you want to stop while it goes by? Okay. Every single time. Yeah, it's like all <laughs> It happens every time I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I, I grew up by a train. Just like and it rattled. It uh, used to rattle our lamps and everything in our house. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's such a mess. It doesn't hear. Our new place that we just bought um, is nowhere near a train track just so nice. Okay. I can pick up where I left off. (laughs) So the beautiful thing is to be able to both come to the table and say, Hey, this happened. 
this is the story I created around this happening. Mm. This is how I feel. Where do we go from here? Right? Like that's huge. How many relationships don't do that? And in that space is where you grow. Yeah. So communication, vulnerability, what else? Feeling seen and heard. Feeling seen and heard. Okay. Intimacy. What is, how do, how do you define intimacy in the context of a monogamous relationship? And is that simply the physical act? Is there more to it? And how often, what's the healthy amount of, of intimate interactions we could be having? Yeah. So intimacy is much more than just physical, right? It's more than the act of sex, which is oftentimes what intimacy gets labeled as, is that deep physical connection. But to be honest, the deep physical connection cannot come without emotional and mental connection and spiritual connection, honestly. That, all four of those combined, are, it really is to me, the definition of intimacy. So the question of how often are you and your partner sitting down and just talking about feelings, right? I mean, and and that can feel really foreign. It can feel super foreign to people. And how often are you having open conversations around your wounds and how they're playing out and the stories that you've created? So that conversation that we just had about the open communication and the vulnerability, that creates intimacy, Right. That really is the definition of intimacy. And then the physical part is the result of it. Yeah. And so my understanding of the way that men and women um, (laughs) are experience intimacy in the in relationships is very different. Right. So, yes, um, the way a woman often feels um, like they're ready to connect on a physical level requires maybe the mental and emotional upfront and for um, maybe the man in the relationship is uh, the physical is my entryway into the emotional connection. How do, how do we bridge that gap when there is such a, a disjointed way that we both get to um, the point of feeling safe in mm-hmm. that connection together where for men it's yeah. through, through the acts of sex. Oftentimes for women, it's through the vulnerable emotional conversations uh, it can often feel like there's a really big gap to to bridge yeah. between the two. So there has to be a discussion around safety. And there has to be a discussion around what makes you and what makes the other person feel loved, right? There's so much to be said for your love language, right? And I know that, but there's so much to be said for understanding how you give love and how someone else receives love. So there has to be some sort of understanding there. And if the way in which you feel deeply connected is through open conversations and feelings, that needs to be expressed to your partner. And there also needs to be the open space for him or her to be able to say, I connect deeply through physical touch or through sexual acts or sexual intimacy or just being able to cuddle with you on the couch. That's how I connect. And so that conversation in and of itself, if you're just trying to guess, right, 
Like you're going to be, you're going to be left in the dark. You have to be able to have that open conversation with one another. Right. So what are the, that's how you bridge the gap. Yeah. Totally hear that. What are some of the biggest, um, reasons why relationships fail? I think it's 80% of marriages around that number end in divorce with that, that statistic being so high. What do you think are, are some of the major contributing factors to why relationships don't succeed ultimately? Ultimately, Tori, I think it comes down to not doing the work. Like truly not committing to healing your patterns and understanding how they play out into your current reality. Because, you know, I'll give you an example. The other night, Zach and I were, and this is getting really intimate, Zach and I were out of town and the whole day I was feeling off and I started to create these stories, right? He doesn't see me. He never tells me that I'm beautiful. Everything that he was saying, I was like, oh, he's always putting me down. I'm never enough for him, right? Sort of creating all of these stories about the way in which he was showing up for our relationship. So much so that that night when we went to bed, I completely shut him off, right? My go-to survival response is to freeze. Shut down. And I just clam up. I shut down, right? And so in that moment, old me would have created the story that he's just not, this just isn't right, right? This relationship is not healthy. He doesn't see me. He doesn't acknowledge me. I'm not enough for him. And I would have acted on that. I would have ended the relationship. I would have drove a wedge so far between us that the relationship would have ended, right? And in that moment, I had I had to step back and say, okay, there may be validity here to some of these stories I've created, right? I can't see clearly right now in any of it. Mm-hmm. But also, where do I get to go deeper into what this means about me and where I'm not showing up and feeling enough for myself? Yeah. And so in that moment, right, I was able to say, hey, When this happens, these are the stories I've created and this is how it makes me feel. And I don't know what to do with this yet, but this is where I am. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to go deeper into it and you can go deeper into whatever you need to go deeper into. And it was like in that moment, I was able to take responsibility for how I was not meeting myself in certain areas. And he also stepped up to the plate and was like, I recognize that you're going through this. The next morning, he told me I was beautiful, right? Not that I was craving that, but he heard that. Yeah. So I think the downfall of relationships is people not wanting to have that additional conversation within themselves and also with their partner to say, this is how this makes me feel. These are the stories I've created. Like, this is the vulnerability piece. Yeah, because I think if we don't have the awareness and aren't doing the work um, consciously, what we default to is victimhood and blaming and mm-hmm. shaming our partner. Yeah. And you made me right. feel this way. You don't make me feel seen. You don't make me feel heard. You don't tell me I'm beautiful. And it's that um, immediately puts somebody on the defense or makes them feel like they have yeah. to you know, defend themselves. And I think that's where so many, so many conflicts and so many arguments start to happen where you're not able to use maybe nonviolent communication where you take um, 
responsibility for your feelings. And that's what I, what I call and I teach is m- emotional maturity and emotional responsibility mm-hmm. where you say, I am making this mean X, Y, and Z. The way yeah. I am interpreting this is this, and it's making me feel blank. And I respond by shutting down. I respond by yeah. being passive aggressive. I respond. And I, and maybe I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm, yeah. I'm taking ownership and saying, this is, this, these are my stories. This is my perception of it. I'm acknowledging that that might not be totally true. And I'm open mm-hmm. to that. But I also need to express why I'm, I'm behaving in the way I'm behaving so that you understand where I'm coming from. Because likely it's triggering a trauma from the past or yes. a wound from the past because we wouldn't be triggered if there wasn't, it wasn't pressing on some part of us that was hurt, you know, that did feel yeah. not enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, and part of that process too, if we're going even deeper into it, is that your nervous system, I mean, let's talk about what trauma is, right? Trauma is the prolonged nervous system response of emotions that haven't been fully regulated and processed. So if you don't speak about how you're feeling, whether they're valid, like they're valid to you in that moment. Mm-hmm. If you don't speak about that, then you're not allowing your nervous system to actually play out what it needs to play out to regulate itself, right? So, so 110% to that too. And I think what is also like what also needs to be spoken about is the blame game. Yes. And then the reverse of that is the shame game, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's also very easy to shut down and say, and just start the shame pattern. It's all about like how I'm shameful, not blaming the other person, but in a lot of ways, blaming yourself. Right. So I think that, yeah, that is the downfall of the majority of relationships because people are either stuck in the shame game or in the blame game Yeah, and they don't, you know, and I think also, and I would love your take on this. I also think that, yes, that is the culprit, but what I see a dynamic that is often expressed and I see frequently is when one person is willing to do that work, right? And acknowledge Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And the other one isn't there yet, like has completely shut down. 100%. I see this all the time and I get this question a lot from my audience as well as, as my clients. What do you do when I, one partner is working on themselves and the other one isn't, you know, and mm. is there a, um, is there a period or a, a time frame for which you kind of wait around for somebody to, to get on board or how do you, how do you navigate that in a way that honors the other person, accepts where they are, are doesn't judge or shame them into something that they're maybe not ready for as well as honor your needs within the relationship yeah well and I think what you just said that last part of honoring your needs within a relationship I think what happens is that it goes one step further and you have to be able to honor your own personal needs Mm -hmm. And what's healthy for you. So to answer that question, I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer around when that time comes. There isn't like there isn't right. But there is a right or wrong in regards to neglect of self. And the moment you start to deeply discount yourself, 
and you start to discount the actual experiences that are happening inside of your body and in your nervous system, and you notice you are swinging in crazy survival patterns, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, that's your sign that you've got to check back in and you need to separate yourself because again, you cannot be responsible for someone's healing or lack thereof. You can only be responsible for yourself. Yeah. And I think the best way to, that I have found, because I've tried it many ways and um, <laughs> I, I know a couple of things about what doesn't work, which is shaming your partner <laughs> into doing personal development work, you know, like yes. passively, aggressively sending them this podcast and being like, you need to listen to this. Can you, you <laughs> Never know, works. is not a good step. Um, and I would, I would highly recommend um, not doing that, but is, is embodying the example, you know, and being the example of what, how do you change? How do you grow? How does, how do you show up differently in the relationship as a byproduct of doing the work on yourself? Yeah. Right. Because I think there is this um, easy trap we can fall into when, when we start to do work on ourselves, where we become judgmental of those who aren't. Mm-hmm. And we think we're mm-hmm. we're better all of a sudden because we think we've, you know, we've arrived or we've awakened or we've got this awareness. And part of that comes from a place of we want everyone to experience that. But there can be a, a shadow dark side to that where it becomes judgmental and actually pushes your partner further away from the thing that you actually want to um, encourage them to do. And so creating the safe space for them to to come into it on their own, the way I imagine it is like their kids on the playground that just jump in and are like, yeah, let's go to the swings. Let's go to the monkey bars. And then there's the kids that are like a little bit more hesitant and want yeah. to like watch first and just want to take it all in. And maybe they're a little nervous or their past, ex- past experiences um, maybe they fell one time when they were playing and they're like, I'm not going to jump right back into that all of a sudden. So they're more cautious. And if we're really honoring, um, honoring the relationship or the commitment, I think part of, of a love language, when we're talking about what our love languages are, um, knowing your, your partner's past trauma and your, your mm-hmm. partner's inner child wounding is a love language because that allows you to know um, what types of behaviors or asks might be pushing their edge a little too far that maybe they aren't ready for or is touching on a really sensitive place so that we know how mm-hmm. to navigate that um, sensitively instead of just trying to force them into something that maybe feel abrupt or too much or overwhelming right. for their nervous system, frankly. 100%. 100%. And knowing that too, right? Like when you can really understand your partner's trauma, there's also a sense, and I just want to bring this up because I, this is speaking from, right? Like this is an example speaking straight to it. When you understand your partner's childhood trauma and what they're operating out of, we also need to be aware that they may not understand that. Mm -hmm. And that also isn't a space for unacceptable behavior, right? Like if they are truly behaving in a way that is unacceptable, even if you know 
their childhood trauma, right? At some point you have to be able to recognize, wait a second, this is not in alignment with what I deeply desire. Mm -hmm. And at some point I'm going to have to honor that too. So I feel like there's this, there's a spectrum and there's a line. There is. And it's it's delicate. It's delicate. It's complex. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are all so complex, multidimensional beings that have a lifetime of lived experiences that are vastly different than our partners. Um, And we have different needs and we meet those needs differently. And we have different capacities to meet them for ourselves as well as for other, other people based on the work that we have done. And that's why, um, you know, committing to yourself is always the first step. And Mm -hmm. otherwise I think there is this natural resentment that builds in relationships. If you don't, um, if you don't have the things that we've talked about, which is open communication, vulnerability, the, you know, the confidence to speak your truth and your voice and, and express yourself despite how the other person might receive that, you know, and, and that's scary territory. You know, it's nothing yeah. we're talking about is easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> relationships are hard. They're work. And I think one of the biggest myths out there is that like when you find aligned love, relationships are going to mm. be easy. No, no. So far from the truth so far right but it does become it's not easy right like none of it's easy but it does there's a sense of you feel at home Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways right that doesn't make it easy you think about your house for instance right the home that you're currently living in like if you didn't clean it it would get dirty right Mm -hmm. if you just let your dishes pile up in the sink you're going to have fleas probably, or you're going to have bugs, right? You have to constantly be in this space where it feels comfortable, but you have to maintain it. Yeah. And relationships are the same way. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, when it is aligned, it feels like home, but you still have to do the tidying mm-hmm. work. You still have to keep the house up. Mm-hmm. And there comes a time you lift up that rug and you hadn't been, <laughs> you just been sweeping everything under it for years and years. You're going to be like, oh my God. Here it is. There might be some, you don't know what you'll find under there. And that's when I think there's so much um, unnecessary suffering that happens that mm-hmm. if we were just willing and courageous to, to address things head on when they were um, prevalent and active and not pushing it down, not repressing it, not putting it on our list to bring up later you know, mm-hmm. um, address it then because that way there's not this build up and it yeah. just feels like an overwhelming mess to clean. Like when you've been hoarding things for years, you're just like, where do I even <laughs> begin? Where people just want to quit because they can't even imagine where do I start to, to unravel all of this. And so, um, right. what are anything like you want to leave with with those listening that are currently in the throes of relationship or single life, dating life, um, as a, as a tip or an encouragement or something that they can just take home and, and like write down and remember that maybe something you've learned or a takeaway that you want them to know. Yeah. I would say that an aligned partnership 
right? Whether you are in the dating world or you're currently in a relationship has very little to do with what you're doing and everything to do with who you're being, right? So when you can really tune into how am I being in the dating world? How am I being in this relationship? How am I personally showing up? And how can I step into responsibility? And also, how can I step into eyes of compassion for the people that I'm dating or the people I'm in relationship with? That is going to change everything about the dating situations you're in and also the current relationship that you're in. If you're in a relationship, it's all coming from that state of being versus feeling like you need to download another dating app or hire a matchmaker or get set up on a blind date. Or if you're in a relationship, you know, cooking dinner every single night to make sure that they, they see you or, you know, doing the laundry or doing all of these things, focus on the being, how are you showing up internally? Cause that's going to shift everything about the way that you attract. Yeah, absolutely. And commit to commit to your own healing and you can yeah. do that in, in relationships. Like you don't have to, oh. to break up. You don't have to get divorced to work on yourself. And um, mm-hmm. even if you're the only one doing it, right? So I think there's a difference between being interested and being committed. And this goes for dating yes. and relationships as well as just your interest in, in you know, healing uh, maybe past trauma or wounds or what have you. You know, when you're interested in something, you do it when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. When you're committed to something, you'll do it. You'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. And no excuse will get in the way of doing what you said you're going to do. And I'll leave you guys with that to think about because I want you to consider where in your life are you just entertaining the idea of something that you truly want or maybe people in your life. Um, and where are you really, really committed? Because the difference in what you'll experience and what you'll attract and what you'll find, um, is, is massive. The people that just play with the idea of, of, uh, going all in or really standing up for the thing they want rarely get it. It's the people that say, yeah, this is this is my standard, this is my expectation, or this is, this is what I deserve and I'm not going to accept anything else. Amen. Thank you so, so much truthful. for coming on, Lauren, and having this conversation. Yes. This was so good. How can people stay in touch with you um, if they want to know more about your work? Yeah. So you can, I have a website, so you can follow me at laurenzoller.com. I'm also pretty heavily active on Instagram. My handle's at laurenzoller or on TikTok. It's just at coach laurenzoller. I speak about everything regarding dating and relationships. So you can find me over there. Definitely go check her out. And you know, if you're getting value from this, please share it with somebody, maybe not your partner, if they're not on the, on the personal (laughs) development train just yet, but Um, maybe somebody else, a friend or, uh, um, anybody that you think this would serve, please share it with them. Take a screenshot, tag both Lauren and I, we would love to know who's listening and who's, um, who's learning from, from this show. We'd love to know what you enjoyed and what your biggest takeaways were until next time. I hope 
you have an amazing week and that you are signed up for our upcoming How to Sustain Success webinar. You can find all of the information on how to register at the link in the show notes, as well as how to stay connected with Lauren. Love you. And we'll see you next week on the Coachable Podcast.